0: You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. It is good to be back with you, Overflow. My name is Shane, and it is always a joy being with you. Um, This is seriously, I'm not just saying this, I truly mean it. This is one of my favorite places to preach, is to be with you. I love being with you, and don't you appreciate um, all the leadership that works so hard every week to put this on and make this an atmosphere where we can come and worship Jesus so can we thank the Lord for the people who just serve and volunteer and lead yeah let's thank the Lord give it an awesome yeah awesome if you have your let's just jump right into it if you have your copy of God's word and I hope that you do turn to first Peter chapter 4 the verses will also be on the screen first Peter chapter 4. First Peter is right before Second Peter. Does that help anybody? Awesome. Are you glad to be here tonight? Awesome. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to see me. Why don't you tell them that? Awesome. What a joy it is to be here. All right. Uh, so uh, where's all the guys at? Is there any dudes in the room? Any guys in the room? All right. Alright, any, any manly men in the room, like I'm talking about manly men, any manly men in the room? Alright, alright, so, so, I want to confess something, my name is Shane, and I am a man, alright? And I grew up in Texas, I grew up in the country, so I am a country, but like I grew up in the boondocks, so, a country boy can survive, you know what I mean, alright? Like, I am a man, like I love to fish, and hunt. I drive a truck. It's a Ford truck. All right. Like, like I, listen, I grill my own steaks. You know what I mean? Like I got a beard and I know what you're saying. You're looking at me and go, but bro, you got on skinny jeans. Listen here. These are not skinny jeans. All right. They're just skinny because I no longer am. Listen, the older you get, the tighter your clothes get. You know what I mean? Like the Bible says you should be a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am working on being a mega church, baby. You know what I mean? All right. Now, here's what I must confess to you. I'm a man. But when I get sick, I turn to a six-year-old boy. Can anybody identify with that? Any guys? All right. Now, now my wife, Casey, like, man, she is awesome. She is a godly woman. I love her. She has the spiritual gift of hotness. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You All right. And we have five kids. I think I've told you that before. We have five kids that are 11 and under. That is a prayer request, okay? And so what is crazy about my wife is like, I travel a lot, so I can be coming in from out of town and she can have the flu. Like I come home, she's running 102 temperature and the house is in order, like it smells good. The kids are all doing what they're supposed to. She's cooking dinner with a baby on her hip and she's sick but bro let me get the common cold and like I shut down you know what I mean I'm like oh baby check my head you know and then I go lay down in the bed snuggled up in a blanket praying for Jesus to come back you know what I mean like (laughs) like I don't suffer very well but tonight we're going to talk about just that how to suffer well And that our pain has a purpose. And you're like, awesome, this sounds real encouraging. And I'm going to tell you that it is. And here's why. Because it's relevant to us all. Anybody ever had a bad day before? Anybody? You ever had a bad day before? Anybody ever gone through a difficult season before? Anybody gone through some trials and tribulations? What about you, balcony? You ever gone through a difficult day? I see you up there. Like we all go through difficult times. One person once said this. You're either in the middle of pain and suffering, or you just came out of pain and suffering, or get ready, buckle your chin strap because you're about to go into pain and suffering. And today I'm going to talk to you about this, is that we all go through difficult times. We all go through pains and suffering. We all go through difficult seasons of life. But what I want to show you today is this, is there can be a purpose to your pain. And that you can actually use your, watch this, you can use your misery for ministry. And that you can suffer well for the glory of God. And I want to show you this from 1 Peter chapter 4. Now look at verse 12. So let me give you some context. So uh, Peter is writing this letter. And he's writing this letter to Christians who are in exile. And the reason they're in exile and have to leave their home is because they are under persecution for simply being Christians. At this time, the new church, the Christians, they were being killed for their faith. They were being imprisoned for their faith. They were being persecuted for their faith. They were going under extreme suffering. So Paul, or so Peter writes this letter to these Christians saying this, Hey, I know you're going through suffering, but let me show you God's will in it, and let me show you how to be faithful with your suffering. It sounds odd, doesn't it? but he's gonna show them a purpose to their pain. And it's very similar to us. You know, we are exiles. If you are a Christian, listen, if you say this, Shane, I know without a doubt, I have been bought with the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. If you know that without a doubt, I want you to raise your hand. All right, now check this out. You are Christians, meaning this, that you are strangers in a foreign land. You right now, as a believer, you are in exile. Meaning this, that yes, you are citizens of the United States, or you are citizens of another country. But your primary citizenship is the kingdom of heaven. And your primary leader is Jesus. He is king. And so while you are here, this is not your home. You are just passing through. The kingdom is your home. But while you're here in exile, you get to represent your home country you get to represent your home king, and your king has a name, and what's his name? It's Jesus. Listen, so you know, like, we are all old enough to vote, and when we vote, we should vote with our conscience and conviction. Do you agree with that? But at the end of the day, all throughout history, it doesn't matter who the president is, because Jesus is king. And you can't impeach him, and he ain't gonna resign, and you didn't vote him into office, and you can't vote him out of office. Like, so you are here to represent your home king. It's like this. You know, when Jesus told the disciples, in fact, he told Peter, he said, pray like this. Pray that, it, that the Lord's will would be done on earth as it is in what? Heaven. So here is a great mission of the New Testament church is that the New Testament church should give the world a glimpse of what heaven is like. That when the world looks at the church, they should be able to see a glimpse of what heaven is like. What's sad is when the world looks at the church and all they see is hell. Like you get to see and be a glimpse of the kingdom and you get to show the world what heaven is like by how you live differently. And so Peter's gonna share this with them. And I want you to see four things tonight That he talks about and how to use your pain and suffering for a purpose. So if you have something to write on, go ahead and get that out. If you have something to write with, go ahead and get that out. And I want you to jot down four things tonight. And the title, if you're in the sermon titles, the title of tonight's sermon is simply this. Using your pain for a purpose. Using your pain for a purpose. So look at verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. If you're with me, say "Uh Uh uh-huh. Turn to your neighbor and say get ready. All right, here we go. It says verse 12. I love it. It says beloved turn to your neighbor and say you are loved tell them that they need to know that why is that so important once again i love that peter opens with this they are going through pain and suffering they're going through trials and tribulation and there needs to be a constant reminder that when you are going through difficult days may you be reminded that you are watch this beloved because it's also in those times where it's easy to think that God has forgotten about you or that God doesn't care about you. So I love it. Peter opens in this particular section with this fact. You're loved. You're loved. So look at this. Beloved, do not be surprised. Turn you never say don't be surprised. <laughs> look at this. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you As though though something strange were happening to you. So, number one, write this down. Very simple of this. Expect suffering. Expect it. It will happen. Let's do it again. How many of you say, Shane, I've gone through difficult times before? Raise your hand. Now, listen, you know why we go through difficult times? You know why you should expect suffering? Because you are humans. All humans will suffer. See, suffering is not just the mark of a Christian, it's the mark of a human. And what I mean by that is this, and the town I live in two years ago was hit by an F4 tornado, Rowlett, Texas. Now when the tornado came, it destroyed over a thousand homes. Guess what? The tornado did not only hit Christian homes. When there is a storm, does it only rain on Christians? Let me ask you this, are Christians the only ones in the world that get cancer? Are Christians the only ones that grow up in their parents' divorce? No. Like, everyone suffers. However, here is the difference with being a Christian. Not just that you would suffer. The difference in you as a Christ follower is this. How do you respond in that suffering? Because if you respond like everyone else, it shows the world you have no hope, just like they don't have hope. Like, here is the beautiful thing. Is that often, watch this. There's a purpose to your suffering and you can respond differently because watch this. Sometimes you go through difficult things and watch if you're taking notes, write this down. Sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to land on the rock who is Jesus. So you can stand on that foundation. That sounds different than what you hear from TV preachers, right? Do You ever see guys on TV who are like TV evangelists? And they'll say things like this. Hey, give your life to Jesus. Give me a lot of money. And if you give your life to Jesus and you give the televangelists a lot of money, then everything's going to go your way, right? You're never going to get sick. Your bank account's going to be full. Like you're going to walk into a room and angels are going to sing your name and go, he has arrived, right? You're always gonna get that promotion. You're always gonna make good grades. You don't have to drive that jalopy anymore because you're gonna be in a Porsche, right? And when you see that and hear that, you go, well, I must have done it wrong because being a Christian is actually really hard. How many of you agree that sometimes when you become a Christian, living in this fallen and broken world actually becomes more difficult sometimes? Like, being a Christian sometimes is gonna bring more suffering because you're like a fish swimming upstream, right? You got the whole world moving towards hell and you're seeking heaven. It's gonna be more difficult. Like you're gonna go through difficult things. I remember like I shared my testimony with you last fall. Um, I didn't become a Christian till I was 21. I didn't grow up in the church. I think most people think because I'm a preacher, I came out of my mama's womb with the Bible in my hand going turn or burn, turn or burn. I didn't, all right? Didn't grow up in the church. And so I remember I was 21 and I was coming out of a party lifestyle. And I was at this college retreat, and man, I got saved. Uh, There was a guy preaching, his name was Mark Job. Mark Job is Carrie Job's dad, if you've ever heard of her. And so I remember getting saved at this college retreat. And I remember going, man, everything's going to be different now. I'm a Christian. I got the Holy Spirit of God inside me. Everything's going to be easy. I was dating this girl who was not good for me. And I'm like, man, I'm going to go back. I'm going to break up with her because I'm going to be super spiritual. Everything's going to be so easy now. I'm never going to be tempted again. I'm never going to lust again. And then I remember going over to Laura's house to break up with her. And she opened the door. And I'm like, dang, Laura's still fine. You know what I mean? Like not easy <laughs> like suffering still comes temptation still comes heartbreak still comes tribulation still comes the answer is are you ready for it and how are you going to respond in that number two write this down suffering should make you run to Jesus Suffering should make you run to Jesus. Sometimes suffering makes us run to a bottle. Or suffering makes us run to a drug. Or suffering makes us run to an unhealthy relationship. Or suffering causes us to hurt others. Or suffering causes us to hurt ourselves. Write this down. You've probably heard it before. Hurt people hurt people. And sometimes you're hurting others. Sometimes you're hurting yourself. But there can be a purpose to this, to where Jesus can use this in your life to actually make you run to him. Because like we said, sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to find the rock who is Jesus. I want you to look at verse 13 and 14. Love this next part. So in verse 20, it says, beloved, do not be surprised at fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Look at verse 13. But rejoice. What? You can rejoice in suffering? You can rejoice in pain? Yes, look. But rejoice insofar as you what? share Christ what sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed sometimes it takes suffering in your life for you to see the glory of God and sometimes it takes suffering in your life for others to see God's glory in you because you respond differently see suffering should make you run to Jesus Because there's a purpose there. What I mean by this is you can see God's glory in suffering because I want you to understand a visual picture of it. Think about it like this. How many of you are like me? You love the mountains and snow. Anybody love mountains like Colorado? All right, anybody, Rocky Mountains, Smoky Mountains, you love that, all right? How many of you are more like my wife? You love the beach and tropical, anybody? All right, but how many of you have been to the mountains before? You've seen the mountains. All right, check this out, right? Have you ever noticed when you're around the mountains and you look at the peak of the mountain? See, in Christianity, we always want these mountaintop experiences, right? But have you ever noticed around mountains, on the very top, nothing grows up there? There's no trees. There's no grass. There's no villages. There's no people. There's no animals. It's just rock and snow. Let me ask you this. In the mountain ranges, where is all the life at? Where's all the trees at? Where's all the grass at in the villages and the people and the little chihuahuas running around. Where are they at? In the valleys. Watch this. It's not the mountaintop experiences where you grow the most. Often, it's in the valleys of life where you grow and mature. And God reveals his glory to you to show that he is with you. It makes you run to Jesus. Jesus. It's amazing. How many of you say this, Shane? I want my life to look like the life of Christ. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Raise your hand. Hopefully we all do, right? That's what the word Christian means, Christ-like. You know, often when we say, I want to be like Christ, we're not thinking of this. Look back at verse 13 again. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ, what? So we say this, man, I want to be like Jesus. And often when we think of that, we think of the Jesus walking on water. I want to be like him. Or we think of the Jesus feeding the 5,000. I want to be like him. Or we think of the Jesus healing the sick. I want to be like him. Or we think of the Jesus busting out of the grave. I want to be like him. But no one wants to be like the Jesus who hung on the cross. Like, Jesus suffered. Let me just unpack it like this. As Christians, especially here in America, we would do well getting the picture of Jesus out of our head that we saw growing up at grandmama's house. You know what I mean? Remember the picture of Jesus growing up at grandmama's house, the painting of Jesus? Remember he was white? (laughs) Come on, he was Jewish, right? Remember the white Jesus with crystal blue eyes? And he had long, flowing hair like he used Pantene. He had this nice tan like he just walked off the beaches of California. And he had this white bathrobe on, or possibly a Snuggie. And remember those pictures of Jesus where he had this like powder blue sash on? What was that? Like he just won a beauty contest. And then he's always petting lambs. Have you ever noticed those petting, uh, paintings? He's always petting lambs with this creepy look on his face like this. You know why we love that picture of Jesus? Because that's a safe Jesus. That's a clean Jesus. That's a comfortable Jesus. Let me say this. If your version of Christianity is always safe, comfortable, and easy, then it's probably not the Christianity of the New Testament. Because mainly, this is going to be looking very different than our American form of Christianity. Wow. That it will be difficult and there will be suffering there. And when you are swimming upstream versus where the culture is going, it will be difficult, but it will be glorious. Look at verse uh, 13 again. It says, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. That you would see the glory of God in your life and that others would see God's glory on you because you live differently. Even in the midst of suffering and pain and difficulty. And here's the beautiful thing. Is that this pain and suffering makes you run, watch this, to a suffering Savior who can identify with you see the enemy will tell you jesus doesn't understand you the enemy will tell you jesus does not know what you're going through because he was god here's what we need to realize about jesus is that here on earth he was god but he was also fully human and he was tempted in all ways that you are and he suffered in all ways that you do Yet he was victorious. And so when your suffering can cause you to run to a Savior who can identify with you, watch this. His victory becomes your victory. Because in our suffering, we mess up, don't we? In our suffering, we sin. How many of you say this? Shane, the harder I try, the more I mess up, right? So if your suffering causes you to run to Jesus, his victory becomes your victory. And you're like, man, now, Jesus doesn't know what I'm going through. Well, let's walk through that. Anybody in this room ever been Poe before? You know what Poe is? Poe is when you're so poor you can't even afford the other OR. You know what I mean? You're like, you're college students. You know what it means to be Poe, right? But it's like Raymond Noodles is like the good eating night, right? Like I remember when Casey and I got married almost 14 years ago, we had one bedroom apartment and it was literally one bedroom apartment. It was like the bedroom, the living room, the bathroom, the kitchen, the dining room was all one room. We were Poe, all right? It's like, well, you gotta put the ketchup at McDonald's on Leeway. That kind of poe, you know? And you're like, well, Jesus doesn't know what that's like. Oh yeah, when he was here, he was homeless. Anybody just been exhausted before? Jesus doesn't know what that's like. He walked everywhere. He had people trying to kill him. He was exhausted. One of my favorite stories in scripture is when the him and the disciples are in the boat and they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and a hurricane comes, right? And Jesus is sleeping. And most of the time we teach that text go, oh, Jesus is asleep because he knows who's in control. He has faith. Yeah, that's all true. But he was also asleep because he was exhausted. He knows what you're going through. Anybody been betrayed by someone close to you before? Jesus doesn't know what that's like. Really? There was a guy named Judas, all right? Anybody just cried so much before that you didn't have any tears left? Jesus doesn't know what that's like. When I became a Christian, there was one verse I had memorized. Jesus, what? Wept. He knows what you're going through. Anybody been tempted before? Jesus doesn't know what that's like. Listen, he was the most famous person in the Middle East. You can't tell me women did not throw themselves at him. He had the Pharisees always trying to trip him up. He knows what you're going through, yet he was victorious. What about suffering? Jesus never suffered. What? He knows what you're going through. I want to read these verses to you. They'll just be on the screen. Write them down to read later because in Hebrews chapter 4, I want you to see Hebrews chapter 4 on the screen. This needs to be somewhere where you can see it every day, whether it's on your bathroom mirror, in your Bible, in your car, in your notebook, wherever, where you can see this every day. It says, Since then, we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, right? He left heaven, took a mission trip to earth. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, meaning this, he is our Savior. That is our confession. For we do not, turn your neighbor and say, we do not. We do not have a high priest who is unable to what? Sympathize. Sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what you're going through. He is not some false god who is off in the distance. He is up close and knows what you're going through. But one who in every respect, turn your neighbor and say, every respect. Yes. One who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet with what? Our sin. sin. His victory needs to be our victory. Then let us with confidence, look. Suffering should not make you shameful. Yeah. Suffering does not put you in isolation. Suffering makes you run to Jesus, and because His victory is our victory, we get to go with confidence before the throne of God. Let us draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive what? Mercy and find what? Grace to help in the time of what? Need. Need. Let your suffering run you to a suffering Savior. Let your pain. Run you to the Prince of Peace. Number three, write this down. This will be relevant for us all as we begin to land this plane. So we will all experience suffering. We will all experience pain. There's a purpose there because it makes you more like Jesus and causes you to run to Jesus. So number three, write this down. Don't suffer from stupidity. Let me say it again. Don't suffer from stupidity. Meaning this, we will suffer because we're human. We will suffer even more because we're Christians. It means this, suffering doesn't need your help. Like, how many of you agree? Much of our suffering is from self-inflicted wounds. Like, can we be honest? Many things that we blame on God, we should blame ourselves for. And let's, let's flip that coin around. Many times, we give Satan way too much credit. They're like, man, Satan's attacking me. No, bro, you're attacking yourself, right? I love verse 15. Look at verse 15. Because like Peter is talking about suffering and there's a purpose and here's some things to look for and rejoice. And then verse 15, he kind of throws us a curveball because he starts listing sins. Look at verse 15. It says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Basically he's saying this, suffering doesn't need your help. Like, don't cause more suffering by stupid sin. Don't suffer from stupidity. And you say, man, that sounds harsh, but aren't we all good at that? How many of you didn't? I'll raise my hand. Anybody in here have a PhD in stupidity? (laughs) I do. (laughs) Like, we do stupid well, don't we? Stupidity is in never short supply around us. And so what he's saying is this, like, don't cause yourself more problems by sin and rebellion. Like, it's like this. I love it. He says, don't be a murderer. Yeah, it's it's good not to kill someone, all right? Don't be a thief. And so what he's teaching us is this. Like, if we all leave and go to Walmart right now, and then I steal a T-bone steak, and then I get arrested, I don't sit in a jail cell going, God, what are you teaching me, right? (laughs) He's teaching me don't sin and don't be stupid, right? What about this next part? Like, don't suffer as a thief. Um... Don't be an evildoer and don't be a meddler. Do you know any meddlers? Do you know anybody that's always in everyone else's business? Do you know people that are just addicted to drama? Like you talk to them and they're like, man, I'm going through this thing with this girl. the drama, drama. And you talk to them the next week and then it's someone else. Yeah, I'm drama, drama with this person. And then next week it's drama, drama with this person. And eventually you want to give them the Dr. feel answer. What is the common denominator in all that, right? It's you. Don't suffer from stupidity. You're bringing a lot of your suffering on yourself and you're blaming God for it or you're giving Satan too much credit. You need to repent. And don't suffer from stupidity. And we all do it. I want to read another verse to you that's on the screen. It's Isaiah 53, verse 6. You got this memorized. You probably know this by heart. So here the prophet Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And I love what he says here. Look at this. He says, for all we, and you know this verse, you could probably fill in the blank. All we like what? Sheep. Sheep. Now, if you've ever watched the animal planet before, every once in a while they have these episodes on there where they test animals IQ. You know what one of the dumbest animals in the world is? Sheep. Now, how many of you believe this is the word of God? How many of you believe when this speaks, God speaks? How many of you believe you can trust this? And what does this call us? Sheep. Sheep. So you know what it means? It means this. God knows how dumb we are. Like this, I don't know about you. I'm not offended by this. This is like encouragement. It means this. God knows how stupid I am. So let's encourage one another with that. Turn to your neighbor and go, it's okay. God knows how dumb you are. Tell him that. Look at this. But all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We all go do our own thing. Why? Because we're dumb. We all mess up. Why? Because we're stupid. We have all turned everyone to his own way. We all do that. Isn't it interesting that the Bible, what the Bible calls a result of stupidity is the very thing our culture values. Meaning this, we say this, to each his own. It's my life. I'll do with it what I want. I'll do my own thing. I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to believe in myself. And the Bible says that's a result of stupidity. To each his own way. Look at this. And... The Lord has laid upon him. Anybody want to take a guess who the hymn is? It's Jesus, the what? Iniquity of us all. I love this verse. It basically means this. God knows how stupid we are. But our great God is an expert at saving stupid people from themselves. That's our great God. So it means this, we will suffer, expect it. Let that suffering drive you to Jesus and don't suffer from stupidity, meaning this, don't do stupid stuff and expect good results. If you sow stupidity, you will reap stupidity. Like walk in the wisdom of the Lord. You know what the wisdom of the Lord is? Knowing truth and acting upon it. Walk in the wisdom of the Lord. I love it. We get to be a part of this. Number four, write this down and we're done. You know what it means when a preacher says he's almost done? Not much, but we're almost done. All right, look at this. Number four, write this down. All of this, 25 minutes to get to this point. Use your suffering for good. Use your suffering for good. So there's a purpose to pain. And basically, this whole sermon can be summed up with this. The purpose of your pain is to drive you to the Prince of Peace. And the purpose of your pain, watch this, is to give you a common ground to minister to others. I want you to see this in verse 16. Love this. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, you will. Let him not be ashamed. Listen, suffering does not have to make you ashamed. You do not have to be guilty because of your trials and tribulations. You do not have to run to isolation. But rather, let him glorify God in that name. Meaning this, you don't have to be ashamed. Run to the name of Jesus. Verse 17, for it is a time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Most of the time, when God is going to move in a movement of God and is going to spread a revival across the land for his glory, most of the time, he's got to judge his people first. Meaning this, if we want a movement of God to take place, then God is going to do things to wake up his church. So he says, the judgment will begin at the house of God. Look at this. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? Meaning this. This. We want God to move in our life and we want God to give us common ground for ministry so that we can share the gospel. Why is that important? Because according to this, if a person dies without Jesus, they end up in an eternity separated from God in a literal place called what? Hell. Yes, heaven is for real, but so is hell. And so he's saying this there's a purpose to our pain. To make us more like Jesus, watch this, and to give us a common ground for ministry for others. We'll unpack that in a moment. Look at verse eighteen. And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? They are lost. Then look at verse nineteen. If you have a highlighter, uh, highlight it. If you have a pen, underline it. Star it. If your hips are enough, t- tattoo it on your body. Whatever. Look at verse nineteen. I love it. it. Says therefore. What is the therefore? Therefore, because of everything we just talked about. It says therefore, let those who suffer. According to what? What does your Bible say? God's will. I love it. It means this. There's never a moment where God is in heaven and then sees what you're going through and then God go, oh, didn't see that one coming. Right? <laughs> he knows what you're going through. And it's for a purpose. It says, let those who suffer according to God's will, watch this, entrust their what? Souls. To a faithful creator while, what? (coughs) Doing good. Meaning this, like God has a purpose for your pain. And in that purpose, you entrust your souls. Meaning this, like even when you're going through difficulty, you trust God. Hear me. If you hear anything tonight, hear this. Faith is not saying, God, show me your will and then I'll trust you. Faith is not saying, God, explain it to me, and then once I understand it, I'll trust you. That's not faith. Faith is this. God, I don't get it. God, I don't understand it. God, I don't even like it. But I trust you. Because according to Romans 8, you're doing all things for your glory and my good. So in the meantime, I am going to do good even when the world is falling apart around me, my hope is not in this world. My hope is in the firm foundation, who is the rock of Christ. And I will be faithful to him because he was first faithful to me. And here's where he does with it he gives it to you as a gift. What? Pain and suffering is a gift? Watch this as a gift. For common ground to minister to others. Now, don't lose me because we're about to be done. It means this. How many of you have ever personally gone through cancer before or you have a loved one who has suffered from cancer? Raise your hand. Now, watch this. God gives you a common ground for ministry in that pain and suffering. Meaning this. The best person to minister to someone who is suffering from cancer is someone who has what? Suffer from cancer. To, get, to say, hey, I've cried those same tears you have. I got those same scars and wounds. I have those same sleepless nights. But let me tell you about my victory in Jesus. And now there's common ground there. How many of you grew up in a home where your parents went through a divorce and your parents are divorced? How many of you grown up like that? The pain and suffering there. But here's the purpose. Is no one can minister better to someone whose parents went through a divorce than someone whose parents, what? Went through a divorce. You go, let me tell you about the same suffering. I get it. There's common ground there. But let me tell you about the greatness of my King Jesus. Let me tell you about my suffering Savior who knows what you're going through. Let me tell you about my rock who gets it. Let me tell you about my God who loves you. So the purpose of your pain is to drive you to the greatness of God and, watch this, to give you a story to share with others. See, the greatness of our God is he takes our test and makes it our testimony. The greatness of our God is he takes our suffering and makes it our story. The greatness of our God is he takes our mess and makes it our message. The greatness of our God is he takes our misery and makes it our ministry for his glory and our good. And we get to do that. See, but the enemy is a punk, isn't he? Like he's out to kill, steal, and destroy you. And he's not after the world. He already has them. He's after you. Listen, Satan is not a little cartoon figure with a pointy tail and a little pitchfork going around poking people. He's probably not scared of tax. Remember that song when we were kids? And Satan don't like it. He can sit on attack. What? Sit on attack? As though Satan's "Like not tax again, right?" <laughs> he hates what God loves you. And here's what he'll do: is he'll use your pain and suffering to isolate you, to turn you inward. See, when the enemy can talk you into taking your pain and suffering and turn it inward, watch this. Every time pain and suffering is turned inward, 100% of the time, it turns to bitterness and depression. So he wants to isolate you. He wants to tell you no one knows what you're going through. He wants to tell you no one understands. And so he'll isolate you. And I want to show you where that's a lie. I want everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. I'm going to ask our friends, Jared and Aaron, to come back. So here's what we're going to do, something a little different. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. See, the enemy says no one gets it. The enemy says no one understands. The enemy says you're alone in this. So you must hide it and be ashamed. So I want everybody to bow their head close their eyes and just be extremely quiet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a series of questions. If one of these questions applies to you, then I want you to stand up and I want you to stay standing to the very end. But never open your eyes. Keep your eyes closed the whole time. So you're going to keep your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. If one of them applies to you, you stand up and stay standing and keep your eyes closed. The enemy says no one gets it. No one understands. You're alone. Stand up. We've done a couple of these already. Stand up. Keep your eyes closed. If you grew up in a home and you watched your parents go through a divorce, stand up if that applies to you. Stand up. If you have ever suffered from a disease or someone you love dearly has suffered from a disease, stand up. Stand up. If you have ever been verbally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, or physically abused, stand up. Stand up. If you've ever suffered from bullying, either physically or verbally or online, you suffered from bullying. Stand up. If you've ever been hurt because someone lied to you or they broke a promise to you, stand up. Stand up. (laughs) If there's ever been a moment in your life where you have felt like giving up and giving in, stand up. Stand up. If there's ever been a moment in your life where you have felt like an accident and you didn't even know why you were alive and you missed the purpose of your life, stand up. Stand up. If you've ever suffered from a broken heart or someone you believed you were going to marry one day, broke up with you, stand up. Stand up if you've ever been betrayed by someone close to you and a dear friend. Stand up if there's ever been a moment where you have doubted God in your life. To the enemy tells you you're, you're alone. And no one understands. And the enemy will use your pain and suffering to isolate you. But I want you to look up and open your eyes and look around. The beautiful thing about the family of God is that we all have something in common. We could all say this, that we are wounded and we have scars from suffering and God through the gospel has brought us into a community to be loved on by a suffering Savior who gets it. See, the enemy will use your suffering to isolate you. King Jesus will use it to bring you into a community. And one thing I want you to notice is this, is that you're not alone, that God is with us. One of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which literally means what? God with us. And in Hebrews, he says, he will never leave you or what? Forsake you. And he never promises you to stay out of suffering. He just says, I'll be with you in it. And then I love this. Maybe we would do it like this. Once you grab a hand of the neighbor next to you and even go across the aisle, even in the balcony, just grab a hand. Go all the way across the aisles. to say we are not alone. So I want you to turn to the person to your right, say hello, hello. (laughs) Turn to the person to your left and say hallelujah, hallelujah, this is what I want you to notice. Check this out, we're all standing. Satan isolates, Christ brings us into a community. This is what I want you to notice. You're not alone. You have a God who is with you, and a God who identifies with you, and a God who loves you, and a God who gives you purpose, and a God who gives you ministry, and a God who gives you a story and a message and a testimony. And you have a faith family who's running this race with you. So it means this: we get to laugh together, and we get to cry together. We get to rejoice together. We get to suffer together. We get to win together. Sometimes we're going to fall on our face together. But the most beautiful word in it all, Overflow, is what? Together. We get to be together. And go tell the world about the greatness of a suffering Savior who understands it and gives a purpose to it. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.